I'm excited to be delivering this message, though. We started uh, last week, Daryl opened up our series on 1 Corinthians. We're going to be going through 1 Corinthians for the next little while. And, um, and so I'm taking the second week here, which is uh, continuing a little bit in, in chapter 1, and then we're kind of skipping up to, verse, to chapter 3 before coming back to ver- chapter 2. It just made sense because chapter 3 fit in with part of chapter 1. So there you go. But uh, let's, let's start by reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says, I appeal, to, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? In many versions of the Bible, if you were reading this, you might see a heading that starts uh, just before verse 10 titled, Divisions in the Church. And that's what we see right here, right? We see divisions. Another way this could be worded is distractions in the church. We're easily distracted, aren't we? Squirrel? <laughs> what, what was I talking about? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in this passage, we see the early church in Corinth arguing over who their leader is. Some were saying, I follow Paul, or others, Apollos. What are they trying to do there? They're trying to make themselves stand out. If you think about it, they're really not arguing over who's greater, Paul or Apollos. I mean, they kind of are, but really what they're saying is, because I follow Paul, I'm greater. Or because I follow Apollos, I'm greater than you. That's really what they're saying, right? They're trying to make themselves stand out, trying to point out how great they are because of who they're following. When I was a kid and into my teenage years, basketball was a huge part of my life. Well, when I was uh, playing with my friends in the driveway, um, as you probably hear with kids these days as well, is, you know, if you're, you're playing in the driveway and one person says, um, I'm Michael Jordan. And then the next person's like, I'm Carl Malone, and, and I'm, I'm Shaquille O'Neal. Now, these days, it's probably Stephen Curry, but come on, I was in the 90s, so, you know. <laughs> and we'd have arguments over who was the greatest, and we would identify with our favorite players and say, no, this is the best player. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm John Stockton. And I sort of see this situation with the Corinthians as the same thing. It's like kids arguing over who is the greatest and who they identify with. Paul even says as much. If we skip to chapter 3, verse 1, he says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? 
For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What Paul's saying right there, the last, that last question, is he's basically saying, aren't you just being distracted by childish things? Now, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that nobody's sat out there in the foyer arguing over, I follow Daryl or I follow Daniel. I'm pretty sure. The fact is that... <laughs> The fact is that we are easily distracted. We get in our soapboxes about things that are just simply not as important as we think they are. Isn't that true? Now, if you're laughing to yourself right now, it's probably because you're thinking of the person who has their soapbox. You're like, yeah, that person, that soapbox, this isn't that important. But you know what? You've got one too. There are many ways that we can be distracted. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on three different types of distractions that, that, that personally I see as, as, as huge in the American church. And the first that I want to talk about is when we care more about a particular cause than we care about a person. There are many causes out there. There are good causes, there are bad causes. If you want to know more about these causes, there are many experts and they all post on Facebook on a daily basis. (laughs) Ironically, many of these causes, um, many of the issues in today's society has Christians on both sides saying that this is definitely the way Jesus would feel about this. And we get in arguments over it. We fight. There are good causes to stand for, and, and, and the truth is we should allow people's voices to be heard on, on, on some of these causes, but as soon as those causes become more important than people, either the people that you're supporting the cause for, sometimes we can get so focused on the cause we forget the people that we're trying to help with the cause, or even the people on the other side of the cause. If, if our cause is more important than the people on the other side, that's a problem too. Ultimately, if our causes are pushing people away from Jesus, then we're standing for them wrong or we need to take a step back. And we need to take a step back. If what you're posting on Facebook, even, even if the words that you're posting on Facebook are 100% true, if, it's, if all it's doing is just causing a bunch of arguments and not really drawing people close to Jesus, then you know what? Just stop posting it. It's a distraction. Again, it might be true. You're the expert. But let's not cause divisions over something that might be true. Another way we get distracted is by allowing ourselves to take offense. I've seen many people leave a church because someone said something that they took offense to. Or I've seen people that stay at the church, but they just choose not to associate with those particular people because, not you people, you guys are cool, so. (laughs) Because they're offended by them. And so they choose 
not to associate with them. Brian Houston, uh, the pastor of Hillsong Church, said, no mature Christian who is seasoned in the word has any reasonable excuse to live their life offended. Well, that's a challenging statement. I want to kind of unpack that for just a second. What does that mean? Does that mean that you'll never be bothered by what someone else says, and if you are bothered by what they say, then you're not as spiritual as the next person? Or does it mean that you just need to push your feelings deep down when something bothers you? No, I don't think so. See, the truth is, we're going to be bothered by what someone says or what someone does at times. And we shouldn't push our feelings down. So how, how do we respond in those situations? The way I see it, we have, we have two choices. Sometimes things just aren't that big of a deal, and sometimes the best way to handle something is, you know what, moving on, not going to hold it against that person, just moving on, let it go. But other times, that's, that's not the best way to do it. And, and, and sometimes I think, we, depending on what kind of person you are, um, if you're a bit more of a passive person, then you might err on that all the time, and then you just let things build up. You're like, no, I'm just going to let it go, not that important, not gonna, that important, until finally you blow up. And so sometimes the best thing is just confront someone, get it out in the open, let's talk about it. But what we don't have the right to do is to just live our lives constantly offended, to live our lives in offense. See, as followers of Christ, if you, if you would say today that you follow Christ, then you've given up your rights. You don't have the right to keep living in that offense. And I agree with Brian Houston that we have no reasonable excuse to live our life offended. And how we respond to offense when someone says something or does something that bothers us says a lot about our maturity. And it's time to grow beyond that distraction. When we do allow ourselves to live, uh, to, to live offended, it really cripples us. It breeds a bitterness inside us, keeps us from living in the freedom that God has called us to live in. And sometimes, here's the, here's, here's the tough reality, is that sometimes we've been hurt by someone who will never be able to give us what we want. Even though it might be an, something that, an, an offense that was given that, that really should be talked about, really should be brought out in the open, the reality is... Um, this person's never going to be able to give it to us. Some people who, who grew up in a home with a hostile environment at home, the, the tough reality is that you might just need to come to a point where you just forgive and move on. But allowing the offense, the bitterness to continue, it's only going to destroy you. The final distraction I want to talk about is, is when we care more about the way something is done than about the people we're trying to serve. See, sometimes we, we care so much about maybe how things are being presented on a Sunday morning. I didn't like the way that was presented. Um, whatever. Then you care about the people that we're trying to reach. 
Or, or maybe, maybe we care about the types of programs that we're doing throughout the week. Or, or you know what, even something as simple as the color of the carpet. And we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing. We're doing it to reach people for Jesus. And there are many methods, many things that we can do in that, but the question is, are we loving and serving God and people? Because that's what it really comes down to. And those are just three distractions, but uh, there, there are many distractions that we can face. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Anything that doesn't point to Jesus is a distraction. Are we looking to and trusting Jesus above anything else? Is Jesus our all in all, our everything? If our lives are not centered around Jesus, then we have something there that's distracting us. So what does it look like for our focus to be on Jesus? It means that we are committed to being a disciple of Jesus and to point others to Jesus. It means we're loving people more than our causes. It means that it sometimes means telling people the hard truth. That I care more about you than I care about just tickling your ears and making you feel good. There are times where people need to hear the hard truth. That's okay. If our focus is on Jesus, then we're going to live like Jesus lived. And how did he live? Well, for one, he lived in community. He had his disciples around him who did life with him constantly. He was not trying to go through life on his own. He was looking to what the Father was doing and seeking that instead of his own agenda. He lived a life of sacrifice. He never, it was never about what is best for me. It was always seeking to serve and love others. He was constantly taking risks. He gave the hard truth. He was not afraid to lose followers if it meant sticking to the truth and loving others through that. At one point, he even turned, had some, some of his followers leave him, and he turned to his 12 disciples and said, are you going to leave too? But they had the appropriate response that, where else would we go? We have, you have the words of life. <clears throat> You know, people seek a lot of things in life, don't they? They seek money, fame, security, acceptance, happiness. I found a website online that listed the top 10 things that people want in the 21st century. Didn't really look any deeper to see how they came up with this, so, you know, if you're like, well, I don't know if that's completely accurate, but it, it, take it for what it's worth. But... Um, it's on the internet, so it must be true, is what I'm hearing, right? So. <laughs> but the top 10 things, they wanted a higher paying job. Who wouldn't want that? 
right? I mean, that's a good thing. I'd love to take a higher-paying job, right? They wanted to save money, and that's a good thing too. Hopefully, you know, you can get to the point where you are living um, above your means and you're able to set aside some money every paycheck. That's a good thing. They wanted to save time. I think that's huge in this day and age, right? Like, I mean, things are just so busy. It's like the world goes a million miles per hour, and uh, we're just trying to keep up. And so, I, so this would be one of my top things. How can I just have more time to do what I want to do? They wanted to look better. Now, I don't relate to that because, I mean, you can't really improve on this, but... Um, <laughs> They wanted to learn something new. Great. Stretching yourself. That's, that's always a good thing. We like to stretch ourselves, right? They wanted to live longer. Didn't want to, didn't want to die. They wanted to keep on living, keep on doing stuff here on this earth. They wanted to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. Who here likes to be comfortable? Being comfortable is nice, isn't it? They wanted to not be lonely. That's big. Sometimes in where we're connected to so many people through social media, we can be the loneliest. They wanted to be popular. Or they wanted more pleasure. It's interesting, huh? Any of those resonate with you? I mean, I wouldn't mind having. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't mind saving more money, having more time, being more comfortable. I mean, all of those things, sure. But the question that we and, and they're not necessarily bad, are they? A lot of those things are good things. But are are those the things that we are striving for in life? What is it in this life that you are seeking above all else? In a few minutes, I'm going to sing a song, and it's called Give Me Jesus. And this song has just always resonated with me from the first time I heard it. Because it's so easy to get lost in the busyness of life that, that you forget what is most important. And that's Jesus. And for me, it's, it's important to frequently come back to that, to come back to the basics, that I want Jesus and nothing else. What do, you think, what do you think life would be like if our first, the, the, the first thought in our heads every morning was, Jesus, give me more of you today? For me, it's usually, oh, it's morning already. <laughs> Five, more <minutes. laughs> Five more minutes, there you go. But what would it be like if that was our first thought is, Jesus, can I have more of you today? I believe that our lives would be drastically different. How do you get there? How do you get to that point? It's easy to say, boy, sure, it would be nice to have that be my first thought. But, but, but is that something, is there, can we get there? I believe so. I believe that Spending time with him is key in that because he, he, when you spend time with him, you get to know him better. You fall more in love with him. 
The more you spend time with, with anybody, really in any relationship, the, if you want to get close to them, you've got to spend time with them, right? The reality is who you spend time with influences you, and it is impossible, not improbable, it is impossible to spend time with Jesus without him influencing you, without him changing you. And asking him to help you get to that place is important. It's crucial. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, it says, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. You have forgotten the love that you had at first. It's so easy to lose sight of the love and the passion of, uh, that, that, that we once had for Jesus and to just slip into the mundane, the day-to-day, doing our duties, doing what we're supposed to do. You know, hopefully, you know, we come to church, maybe even serve occasionally, go to connect groups, but is our life a love song to Jesus? Distractions are all around us, and they're not going away. They will consume us if we let them. But as we, this year, as we embark on this journey of risk and faith that we've, we talked about in January, we, we, as we were casting vision for the year, we talked that it was, this is the, a year where we're going to really step into risk and faith and trust Jesus. And as we do that, let's make sure that our focus is right. That it's all about Jesus and nothing else. 